You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast, starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. You wanted it, you demanded it. And for those of you that didn't know what you wanted and didn't know what you didn't want, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the premiere, the inaugural, the spectacular, the astonishing, the journey into mystery. That is the second print comics podcast. I am your, you know, absolutely elated host, Remso W. Martinez. I'm here with my good friend in comic fandom and everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, thank you for joining me on this journey. I'm looking forward to doing everything with you as we go ahead and jump into the wild and crazy world of fandom, pop culture, film, animation, everything that is the wild and wacky world of comics. Well, Remzo, I'm thrilled to be here as your almost as elated uh, nerdy host here on the Second Print Comics Podcast. This has been a project that has probably been brewing in my mind for a long, long time. I mean, you might even say before a podcast even existed, uh, right when my love for comic books and comic book characters, animated series all began. I think this has always been a passion of mine. My fanhood has ebbed and flowed at times, uh, depending on life circumstances, but I always come back. Comic books are the one thing that I always come back to. And uh, recently I was just thinking about how I wanted to branch out. I wanted to start to get into more areas you know both you and i have been podcasters uh for over five years each here and uh, i wanted to get out of my normal box and get into different areas and and one thing i could think about i was thinking to myself you know man i really wish i could find time to read more comics to go back and read more older comic book stories uh to maybe read some newer things i'm not familiar with and i said but i can't justify all this time i'm trying to build a career here i'm trying to build new hobbies build new projects and then it dawned on me what if I made reading comics one of my new projects? So here we are. And I, you were the first person I thought of. We uh, did a little mini project, which we never even finished, actually, uh, reviewing Doomsday Clock, uh, which we'll probably go back to when we talk about Watchmen at some point. Uh, but I think we developed a pretty good rapport. I think we have uh, similar thoughts about comics, but also have very different opinions. So I think we're going to have a really good mix here. Absolutely. Now, folks, this is the Secret Origins episode. Because, Secret you know, Origins. Have- Secret origins, because every podcast is somebody's first podcast, just like, uh, you know, the the Grandmaster Stanley, you say every comic is somebody's first comic. And for those of you that don't know us, um, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to really, you know, reset the continuity on this. I promise I'll stop with the puns in a moment. But really, as Mark said, this is something that you had been wanting to jump into because if you're if you love something and you're good at something you might as well learn how to make it into something you can do professionally and i really feel like the rick jones to your hulk in this situation (laughs) because when you brought me in i was just like okay i i've got like super nerd adhd here i want to talk about x and z and y and all this other stuff um you know we, this is this is good because we didn't talk much about uh, the finer details. This is really us just riffing off of each other, folks, because 
this is a new experience for us both. We come from different backgrounds in terms of, you know, what each of our other shows are about. And you can find out more about us in the show notes, of course. But Mark, I've got to ask, when, when did this burning passion start for you years back? And what really prompted you to jump back into wanting to get back into comics? Because this is, you know, truthfully, one of those hobbies that, when you're getting into the comic book continuity itself, it can get really dicey. You're dealing with retcons and deaths and reboots and reboots of reboots and triple all new fantastic reboots. And then with the movies, everything just gets more complicated. What what started it way yonder back is you're slightly older than me. You're slightly older than me. Uh, just a little bit. Just a dick. He's, he's not in the AARP demographic yet, folks. <laughs> not quite yet. <laughs> But someday, if this podcast goes well, uh, I'll still be podcasting in that demographic, hopefully, uh, many, many years AARP in the future. AARP will be sponsoring us, Exactly. Yo. Second Print Comics <laughs> broadcast brought to you by AARP. <laughs> Rick, Rick, is that you? Remember when they were only 12 cents in my day? So if you're my Rick Jones, am I the which Hulk am I? Am I the irradiated Hulk? Am I a smart green Hulk? Am I the uh, somewhat in the middle, somewhat droll uh, gray Hulk? It's all very confusing. Gray Hulk is the only good Hulk, in my opinion. Really? We could have a whole episode about debating the Hulks. See, there's so many possibilities here. This is, see, folks, you, you don't know what's happening. We didn't plan <laughs> this. I didn't know that. Mark had poor taste in Hulks, and now we do. But please, continue. I, my, I think the best Hulk is original Savage Hulk. That's the best Hulk. Although I do have an affinity for Peter David's uh, sort of, which, which we saw in Avengers Endgame, the basic same version of the monstrosity, the body of the Hulk, and the intelligence of Bruce Banner. It's kind of a cheat, but I did enjoy Peter David's run, which is probably something we'll end up going through at some point, uh, his run in the 90s with that character. So anyway. Absolutely. This yeah. isn't about the Hulk. This isn't about Peter David. We'll get to all this stuff down the road. Uh, but as far as my secret origin goes, well, um, you know, my comic geekdom, my fandom started well before yours. I, and it might have started before you were born, actually. Why don't we just break it down? When were you born? 91? 92? 94. I know 94. I look like... I look like an either extremely young older person or an extremely depressed younger person. <laughs> and the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's it's vague. All right. Well, I started reading comics, I would say, around 1990 or so. And it was not – things were not like they are now. I, I was still a swimmer. Yeah. You're still, still, <laughs> still swimming around in there. Uh, but for me, it came about – uh, I mean, I was already a nerd. I was into nerdy things. Like, I was into, well, I, things that aren't as nerdy now were much nerdier then. Pro wrestling's kind of nerdy now, but it's pretty mainstream now. Now it's on, like, Fox and ESPN. Uh, so I was into that stuff. Uh, I was into comic books. A friend of mine who I, I used to go over and watch wrestling with, he was really into comic books. So I started to kind of, like, just flip through his comic books because I really knew nothing about them at the time. And uh, I really, really was just ca captured, uh, captured, uh, mesmerized, <laughs> capturized, mesmer mesmerized. We don't do words here, all right? We just talk. I was mesmerized by really, I think, a lot of the art that I saw because a lot of the big artists of the time were. Um, that was when guys like Todd McFarlane. Uh, Eric Larson, Jim Lee, they were becoming really big within Marvel. This is before the split over to Image, which we will cover in, in great detail uh, in future episodes. But you know, that, I think when you're a kid, you're probably captured a lot more by the art just because we're more visually inclined. And um, around that same time, we started to see some of the animated series come out as well. And I was, of course, hooked on cartoons. It's all I watched. Um, and so we saw X-Men, the animated series, come out, which just blew my mind. And that, that came out that, around... That is still like the magnum opus of superhero animation, even now. That I was or, watching that or Batman, Batman the animated series is, is True. another. That's my gold standard personally, but but they're both yeah. uh, they're both going to be hard to top in the future because now it seems like the cartoons are more about Flash than they were substance. Although a lot of this is filtered through the fact that our our ten year old or twelve year old or fourteen year old brains view things one way, and your adult brain might view it differently. Like I, I originally started to go back to the X Men on Disney Plus, and. I want to say it holds up. It does hold up for a kid, but it doesn't hold up as much for an adult. Just a lot of the the writing, the style, uh, the the cheese factor that I, I didn't feel as an adult. I mean, as a kid, I felt, man, this is so awesome. Uh, this is so serious, and it was very serious. Actually, I was actually shocked by the violence of of the animated series. 
I mean, things like that coming from because you're you're right at the end of the Bronze Age of comics when, when you mention those folks. That's really at the Bronze Age and it's really entering the modern age. And, you know, cartoons like X-Men, the animated series, stuff like the McFarlane Spider-Man run, that stuff is still considered like quintessential fandom lore right now. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that I've seen even just the last couple of years where I've asked myself, will I want to read this or will I want to watch this a decade from now and will it still hold up as being objectively good? And I can't really say that. For that 90s stuff, yeah. I mean, a lot of it, it kind of depends because I've gone back to a lot of the stories that captured me over the years. I mean, I think the biggest stories that captured me once I got into fandom, uh, and these are all stories you'll probably hear in the first few episodes that we've already mapped out here, but uh, a big one was Maximum Carnage to me because mm. I just thought the character of of Venom and then Carnage were just so cool. They were just so visually cool. Like the, the visual of Venom with his, who basically looked like a dark, evil Spider-Man with these giant teeth. And that is when you started to see this concept more, which crept in a lot, somewhat in the 80s, but more so in the 90s, of the idea of the anti-hero, the sort of bad good guy. And Venom was one of those first, like, really, really bad good guys. Like, this is not a hero. He's definitely bad. He murders people. And he... But... Well, sometimes he teams up with Spider-Man because they have a common foe in Carnage who's even more scary and wants to go on a murderous... Yeah, he's the crystal meth of supervillains. Yeah, exactly. First you're hanging out with Venom and you're just doing a little heroin and it's, you know, it's not good for you, but you're just hanging out. And then Carnage busts in on crystal meth and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore drug comparisons were one of the many things I wasn't expecting to get into in the, uh, the very first episode. It but... gets real, folks. Live with us. This is how we roll. This is how we roll. Things go where they go. Uh, so, yeah, I think, but around then, you know, I, I started to get captured by that stuff. And some of these, right around the time I started to get into comics, is when a lot of these huge, huge, huge stories came out. I mean, Maximum Carnage was pretty big for Marvel, but way bigger than that were two of the two stories, both from DC. The biggest one, of course, being the death of Superman. And I wasn't even, I was maybe loosely reading comics or loosely getting interested in comics at the time of the death of Superman, but I remember I was hearing about this on the news. Like, I would go home after school, and the local news person would be talking about the upcoming death of Superman. And this just, I mean, I, I was familiar with Superman just from the, the 80s movies, uh, the Christopher Reeves movies, which... I don't know how well they hold up. I actually haven't watched them in, in a long time. So maybe we'll have to go back and do uh, do some movie reviews at some point. I'm kind of curious. I, how, I'm, a, how I'm a Richard up. Donner apologist. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to do that. I can't apologize for Superman 2, though. We don't talk about Superman 2. <laughs> that didn't happen. We don't talk about a lot of the Supermans, <laughs> but we talk about the first one. <laughs> We could build a really great chronology just picking which movies we want and acting like they go together, like Richard Donner's Superman, and then maybe we follow up with the Snyder Cut is the next movie. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I, You know, th this, is, th this is one of those topics where you definitely see a changing mentality in comics. And I, I think when I started reading in like the, the early 2000s, like around 2001 specifically, because I remember buying a lot of 9-11 themed issues. And no, we're not going to get into, you know, the, the superhero ethics of 9-11 uh, response right now. But like around that time, there wasn't a lot changing drastically because a lot of the stuff that you're mentioning, Absolute Carnage, uh, Death of Superman, that stuff was still permeating within comics when I was jumping in. But it's really strange. When I started reading like around six or seven, I learned to read through comic books. I refused mm -hmm. to read actual books. I learned to read through comic books. It's the only way my parents could get me to read and actually retain information. They would quiz me on what was going on within the story. Um, it, it, it's really funny because even then, because at that point what you have is you have the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie and then you have the X-Men films and the Blade films. Comic books was still very much, even though you know a lot of the storylines and stuff were getting into the more mature themes, especially of Daredevil coming out a few years later, it was still very much seen as you know an outlet, a medium for children. And that was right, something I right. was still seeing up until when the first Iron Man came out. Now every, you know, everyone and their grandma and their hot cousin loves the superhero genre itself. It's everywhere. What was it like when you were getting in at that point? Yeah, it was definitely something that was seen for kids uh, at the time. 
Uh, I, I think probably all through the time that I, I, I was a fan. I mean, the only people that I talked about comic books with were like the very small group of friends that I knew also read comic books. And I never talked about it with anybody else. You know, I, I wasn't reading comic books like at the lunch table in school or anything like that because I was I was frankly embarrassed. Like I, it was seen as such like a kid nerdy thing, even when I was like 12, 13, 14, especially especially as I got older, as I got more into high school. And now people are going to parties and, uh, you know, we're doing more uh, teenagey cool things. And I'm doing some of that too, but I'm still going home and reading comics afterwards. You know, I'm still I'm still taking the twenty bucks a month, I twenty bucks a month, twenty bucks a week, or whatever it is that I earned from mowing lawns and doing little odd jobs. Pretty much every dime of that I took to the comic store and got whatever comics I could get, because uh, it was just it was one of my many outlets. I was I wasn't an only child technically. Um, I have a sister who's twelve years older than me, but due to that age difference, that, that's, that's a bit of a disconnect. It's a bit of a disconnect, yes. Oh. So, yeah, so she moved out of the house and went to college when I was five. So while t- not technically an only child, I, I kind of was an only child. And I learned to just spend a lot of time alone. Like, I, I like doing things alone. So one of those things was just diving into the world of comic books. And they really just sparked my creativity. I, I'd already been a big reader growing up. Like, my parents always read books to me at night. And I was always fascinated by uh, by books, like, by just the, more of the fantasy type stuff. Like, I really got into uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and that sort of thing. Uh, so when I found comic books, it was really just a natural extension of the, my sort of inner nerdiest, nerdiness. Uh, you know, it was like, wow, there's these awesome stories and this amazing art. Oh, and I can sit down and read it in like 15 minutes. And then that's just the initial impression. But then you start to really understand the deeper chronologies and the history of this stuff. And you realize there's 60, 70 years of history and you, and you you start to try to wrap your brain around all of it. And like you mentioned towards the the beginning of the show, it can feel overwhelming, especially as a new fan. Um, I didn't think too deeply about it then. I just read the books I liked and and tried to follow along. Marvel and DC were always good about the little asterisks. Like when they, a character would explain something that happened like, Oh, like that time issue 12. Right. So then, okay, now I'm supposed to go to the comic book store and, go find, you know, black cat number 13 or whatever it is. Um, so I, I think now though, that, that's, that's one of the things I want to capture with this podcast, because in the last 10 years or so, uh, with all the interest that has come into, especially you have to give most of the credit to, I think the MCU, because they really did take, uh, they took basically, I wouldn't say unknown characters, but by far I, not, Iron not Man their was, biggest character. I, Iron Man alone was a B-lister. I mean, if we're got, I mean, Iron Man was B-list. When you look at like the Guardians of the Galaxy, they were, I didn't even touch that stuff growing up because they were just so obscure and just so, they they were the cameos of cameos, so to speak. They, They were referenced every once in a while and they would pop up as guests, but it was not what you were going to think would launch a multi billion dollar film franchise. Not at all. And Mar- it was almost a blessing that Marvel was sort of hamstrung because they had gone through the bankruptcy and they had to give up the movie rights to a lot of their characters to stay solvent. That's why they had given up their movie rights to the X-Men. Uh, I think technically Hulk 2 was universal, but they worked out they, some deal with the Hulk. Yeah, they still own that. That's why they can never make a Hulk film. So he right. can cameo in all their stuff, kind of like Spider-Man. But they're, they're holding on to that because as soon as they start seeing Marvel with the lower end budget films, because Iron Man was a lower and budget film that's why you see a lot of practical effects in the first couple mcu films and now it's all green screens and cgi yeah so when they saw they could do that they were like why would i want to get rid of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly but i I think there's been an explosion because of the explosion in the mcu movies i mean we can give some some reference to man of steel and some of dc's projects some have been successful some have been kind of blah they put their efforts in, but really it's the MCU that that I think is responsible for the current comic books explosion, the consistency of the storytelling, the fact that they put together 23 movies that all tie together. I mean, stuff from Captain America, the first Avenger ties into you know the ending of, of Endgame. I mean, it's just incredible. And I think that becomes such a good jumping on point for fans because now there's all these fans out here that find out about these characters, fall in love with these characters through the movies. But now there's no movies right now, <laughs> and a lot of these fans are going to be looking to other a- avenues and other venues to learn more about these characters. So what I hope to do is not just send people to the, the current comic book store, although we both encourage people to visit their comic book stores, their physical brick-and-mortar comic book stores, uh, whenever they can, especially with everything that's been going on this year. Uh, a lot of those stores are seeing a lot of trouble. But what I really want to encourage people to do is go back and kind of 
learn more about these characters, learn more about the stories that shaped the comic book industry, perhaps before they even knew about it, for people that came in maybe uh, during these MCU years, or maybe find some people like, somewhat like me, the lapsed fan. Now, I'm not an entirely lapsed fan, but I have ebbed and flowed with the current products over the years. There are times that I'm hardly reading anything at all current. There's times that I'm diving way, way, way in. Uh, when when DC Rebirth came out, uh, I bought that that one-shot issue, and man, that book captured me so much that I basically was a DC fanatic again for, for two years. Uh, but I slowly started to fade away and fade away from those books until Tom King finally kicked me in the nuts and sent me away, sent me running away. But <laughs> we can get to him in a later episode. That, that, that that's one of our biggest uh, contentious the God, points. The God King, Tom King. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you bring up something which is so important, which is now, you know, and, and this is the question that I, I've received from some people that messaged us on, uh, that messaged me on Twitter and Facebook. Why? Because you can go on iTunes, you can go on uh, YouTube and other places. And there, of course, there are really great comic channels. There are a lot of comic channels where they talk about some of the things we're going to talk about. But the thing is, Almost, it's still very recent, and I could still remember the day I walked out of the 2008 Iron Man film after after that scene where Robert Downey Jr. said, "I am Iron Man," and I knew that things were going to change fast, but it would still take a while for people to really commit to it. It's almost like fandom has become acceptable in a way where now we can talk about it, and now when you go to a barbecue or you talk at pe- with people at work, people are interested in this stuff because what they finally seen is that comic books, one, they're a uniquely American art form. Of course, we got to give respect to the manga and anime of Japan, but sure. really when we look at the superhero genre itself, it's very uniquely American, and it's something that there's a flavor for everybody. From neo-westerns like Logan to far-fetched features such as, um, you know, Endgame itself. This is really something that more people are discovering now they have a passion for, even if they don't consider themselves fans. And like what Mark said, folks, we want to go ahead and facilitate the conversations about the stories that really helped make us in a way as fans and really helped make the world we're living in now. Because if there's ever a time where people really want to start fresh without the baggage, they want a reader's digest version of the things that they can potentially jump into further. We want to be that show for you and for everyone because fandom is fun. Fandom is, I think genuinely it's one of the few things that will ultimately keep American culture going. Despite all the things going on in the news, wherever you are on any given topic, when I go to AwesomeCon in DC, I see everybody. I see the fabulous furry freaks and the whole bunch of it. They are there and they are different. And we might be, you know, drastically contrasting individuals, but we're there for the love of fandom. And that's what we want to be as a service to you. Yeah, it's it's really amazing how far, like you referenced, that this idea of fandom has come, especially when it comes to comic books. I kind of relate it to um, my other geeky passion of professional wrestling. You know, when I was maybe 10, 12 years old, I was watching Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, but I really only talked about it with my one or two safe friends who I knew were cool wrestling friends. But then suddenly in the late 90s, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin get really popular. Uh, you had the Monday Night Wars. You had Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. This might be lost on many people, but I think a lot of people will know what I'm referencing because it became so immersive in pop culture to the point that now the cool kids at school, the jocks were wearing Austin 316 shirts. Meanwhile, three years earlier, I was hiding the fact that I ever even looked at that stuff. So it's really interesting how fandom changes. And I think we've seen a huge shift in uh, how specifically comic books and comic book fandom is perceived. I think there's, like I said, there's a couple kind of fans I want to reach with this show. Um, One is like I call myself a lapsed fan. I'm not really a lapsed fan. I'm more like a, a the fan prodigal who, fan. Yes, I'm a prodigal <laughs> fan. I've never stopped being a fan ever, but uh, my my interest in the current product is what is kind of what kind of ebbs and fades. But I want to find people that were maybe fans during my era, during the '90s. People that were maybe just becoming fans during your era. What that's maybe the mid 2000s that you started to become a fan. Definitely the mid two thousands, and I really call it like the the pre MCU years because for a lot of folks, when you mention you know how did you get into superheroes, most of the time now, uh, especially for a lot of millennials, it came from the films. 
but it wasn't even films like Iron Man. It was the Fox X Men series, which I really do think. Right. Like I, X Two X Men United is still, I think, one of the best superhero films ever because yeah, it, it kind of fell off with X Three, but the first two are pretty solid. We don't talk about X Three. <laughs> we don't talk like, about Superman Two, and we don't talk about X Three. We don't talk about those. We're going to compile uh, a list of movies we don't talk about and then do a show breaking down all the movies we don't talk about. Get get some bourbon and some pills. It's going to get heavy. But like, you know, with, with those films from that era, um, you know, especially if you were a comic book reader, you didn't take any of that for granted because before sequels and prequels and spinoffs, you might only get that one movie. And if you got a sequel, then you were really lucky. But to get a third that's unheard of. And to get a spinoff, that was just something that you never thought could happen. So for those Spider-Man films during the Raimi period, um, I even, you know, bring Blade up a lot because I think Blade is an incredibly underrated, uh, you know, Marvel franchise. It was really the only first successful Marvel film franchise. And it's coming back with Mahershala Ali. Which I am... I, I loved him as Cottonmouth and Netflix's Luke Cage. I'm so happy they're bringing him back. But, you know, it's really that period where I you could wish see, it was Wesley Snipes again. He's still kicking, right? He could he could still do it. He looks like he's only in his 40s, but he's pushing 60 or you something. You know the phrase like. that I'm not allowed to say because I'm white? You know the phrase. <laughs> Black don't crack. Thank you. I'll you're say allowed it. to say it because you're Puerto, Puerto Rican. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, uh, you know, it it was really that era right before the MCU where it's like, you know, you really had to value those things. And then when you start getting into the later, uh, you know, the 2010s, like around the 2008 Iron Man, that's really the crossing point where if you were a comic book fan, then you're you're in it to win it. You're, You're you're you know, it's ride or die right now. And it's one of those things where um you know, people often wonder, are, are the comics for me? Because I love the films, but the comics are intimidating. I don't know where to jump in. I might not understand the reference. Those are all very, you know, th- th- those are things that even I dealt with. I went through a two-year period uh, during undergrad where, one, I just didn't have time for comics. I was more interested in women. And, two, I was also poor because I was more interested in women. So, you know, that, that I was pretty I much my that. path in college. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of funds and the addition of other interests kind of dwindled my comic reading a bit. Absolutely. So uh, what you're going to see a lot of folks is we're going to talk about the big events. We're going to talk about a lot of the big topics. Of course, we'll be talking about everything from Secret Wars to Infinite Crisis to everything in between, but also to stuff Secret for- Infinite War Crisis. Two. I mean, it's it's going to get heavy on those things, and we'll try and make sure that you know we'll provide the references, and we'll we'll jump into the other things. Why doesn't Batman kill? Why is Spider-Man, despite the fact that everyone sees him as a jolly, whimsical character, why is he one of the more darker characters once you get into the comics? Why is there that difference? We'll be talking about the films and why they went certain ways and stuff. This is going to be something where two things are going to happen. One, Mark and I are going to come prepared to kind of help guide you through these quintessential moments in comic book history and lore. But secondly, we want your input. This has got to be something that's really fan-driven by the end of the day because we're, we're just like you. We're consumers at, at the end of the day. So, I mean, this is something where if you want us to really double down on something or jump on something different, I, I really don't think there are many shows out there where they're as willing to kind of help chart the course based off what really the listener wants. And at the end of the day, we want to be able to deliver that experience with you so we can enjoy this and have fun together. Exactly. Yeah, we, we want your feedback from the beginning. We actually want your feedback from before the beginning. We're doing something pretty unique with this show. We've actually started our Patreon. We already have a patron before we've released a single episode. We have that patron while we are recording this episode zero. Uh, Anthony Meyer, our very first patron who joined at the epic cross, crossover level. <laughs> and if you head over to uh, patreon.com slash second print po- Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. You'll hear a lot of this on the show because I'm not going to edit that stuff out. If you had a be over with pay- us, folks, be with us in the moment. 
If you head over to patreon.com slash secondprintpod, you can see what we'll be doing there over on Patreon, all the perks we're offering. But the biggest thing there is we want to get people involved in the show from the very beginning. We want this to be a very fan-oriented, fan-produced show. And there are various levels on that Patreon where you can get you know different levels of involvement, provide different areas of feedback. There's a level where you get to even produce a show. That's the Kirby Club uh, every month. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to really get people involved and get people to capture the same excitement that captured us as fans that involved us in this world of comic books and uh, all the sort of associated media that has sprung from them. And uh, what I really hope to do, I think there's so much interest in these characters now. And like you mentioned, a lot of people just don't know where to start. So I hope that kind of by showing people the places we started and the stories that inspired us, the stories that got us excited about comic books and, and had us dive deeper and deeper and deeper in this stuff, we can kind of show people it's not that intimidating. If you, you can start at this place, we'll try to give you a background on some things because any any story, there's you know there's 30 minutes of or 30 years probably I should say of of background that we can give on it so we'll try to do we're our gonna best. start giving apocalypse now level background commentary <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> we're gonna actually produce uh, 500 page ebooks along with each episode with the reference points and they're gonna be in volumes and then we're gonna go through a period where we don't print often and then you'll go, you're gonna have to go ahead and get the Redux versions exactly. yeah no no that, no that shit's gonna and then, then we'll have the foil cover for episode uh, episode 500 we'll have the, fo- foil the variants cover. as well we, we yeah. can't leave out the variants where they'll just be you know if you see red on some issues what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be uh, taking some of our blood and mixing it together with the ink so then you can have some of us with you. And then at a certain Patreon level, you can mix your own blood in with that ink. Do we didn't talk about that off air, so I hope you're okay with that. It's it's fine. I'm not COVID positive. But see, folks, we're willing to do anything for you. But, I mean, it's uh, – We you know, will even provide you COVID antibody tests. I don't know how, but we'll figure it out. You want people, guns, gold? Like, what What do you want? This is for you. Seriously, I, I, you know, all, all jokes aside – um, I, I'm so happy to be doing this with Mark. Um, I know Mark has been wanting to do this for a while. And what we bring with our combined, you know, decades worth of podcasting experience through our other platforms is that we're, we're going to make this really something that we want you to be excited about. And the one thing that I wanted to do that we're offering through Patreon. And, you know, if you sign up for Patreon today, you're going to get a bonus episode where Mark and I are really going to expound on this. So by the time you're listening to this, if you want some extra behind the scenes stuff, you can find that out. Um, We're actually going to be mailing people at the $25 level, the Epic crossover level, a hardcover graphic novel. And this is something where a lot of people are like, Oh, do I buy it through stores? Do I buy through Amazon? What versions do I get? Folks, we're going to hook you up with that. That is one of the things. decisions for you. Absolutely. You won't know what's coming, but you're going to like it. You're going to like it. And if you don't like it, send, send it, it back, back to me and I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll keep it. <laughs> if you don't like it, you got to pay for shipping to send it back. <laughs> I will gladly keep it. <laughs> Uh, Remzo, uh, I want to talk a little bit more as we wind down episode zero here, just more about our specific influences. Uh, I talked about how in the 90s I got into really first the biggest characters. Actually, believe it or not, my first comic book I ever purchased was an issue of Fantastic Four. And that has always been my theoretical favorite comic book, more for nostalgia purposes, just because that's the, the world's first... greatest superhero magazine. Yeah, it was they the first... right on the cover. I loved the dynamic. I loved the, uh, the the tension. There was always so much tension with Thing because everyone else had these cool powers but still looked normal. But Thing was just this big, ugly monster, and that was always such a big theme. Uh, he would also always go out in public in his trench coat because he was just he never got over the shame he felt for how kind of like how ugly he looked. And in the really early issues. Not the issues I've read, but I've gone back and read some of the Silver Age stuff. There was more of a dynamic where he was kind of into Sue, uh, in, into Reed's wife. And uh, at some point, we'll have to go back and do some Silver Age deep dives because, man, shit got real adult back then. <laughs> like, more I, so than you would think. I was traumatized reading some of the Jack Kirby, Stan Lee original X-Men comics because I, I was – okay, so he, here's here's one of the moments where I realized comics can get strange but like in a soap opera way that my teenage mind was like, I have to have more of this. I was, uh, you know, growing up, I, I was just addicted to Spider-Man. And I think I've always been a Spider-Man purist at heart because unlike every other character you really see between uh, Marvel, DC, Image, 
Peter Parker was one of those characters that was the most like the readers. And really, that was the intent of Steve Ditko, who really helped Stan Lee flesh out who Peter was as a person, because he was affable, he was clumsy, he didn't have the best of luck, he fell on hard times, he went through difficult periods. And as a young reader reading this teenage superhero, that's where I I really fell in love with this ability to have great art, great storytelling, and just real heart to it. Um, But one thing that did really kind of, you know, pull me into really understanding, oh, there's more to this than just the story at face value. It's, I think it's X-Men issue two, where they encounter Magneto and the Brotherhood of Mutants, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And Professor X is talking to Scott Summers, Cyclops, and Jean Grey. And you see the thought bubbles come up and he's just like, ah, I'm so mad that they're so madly in love. Doesn't she know that I love her? And I'm reading this. I'm like, what the hell? What is she's it? Like, she's like 16. You're bald right? in a wheelchair and old enough to be her dad. And I'm and- reading this and I'm just repulsed. And I'm just like, ah, now I want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things uh, things sure have changed in the comic book industry. That is for sure. And that's one thing we will also be examining over the years uh what were some of your other favorite characters when you first got into things like the, the fantastic four captured me right away uh but then i like you i really got into spider-man for for a lot of the same reasons maybe because he was a teenager and i was a teenager and you know they just seemed like a character i could relate to more than i could relate to say a superman some alien from outer space um also the other character i always loved was batman from the very beginning just because i loved the idea of a character who had no physical advantage had no superpowers he had no he certainly had advantages as ben affleck would say his superpower is is being really rich but really uh batman's superpower was his willpower and his intellect and his ability to always outthink every situation and outthink his opponents look at any poll on facebook batman versus anybody who wins batman um yeah i mean batman Batman the Animated Series, like we were talking about earlier with the 90s X-Men animated show, Batman the Animated Series, um, that that really captured my attention. And I remember watching the Joel Schumacher Batman and Robin as a, as a little kid on repeat on VHS. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm an elder millennial. I remember VHS tapes. Um, the, now, the that things- is a <laughs> bad movie that is enjoyable <laughs> to watch if you have the right attitude going in. I, I think you mentioned somewhere on on Facebook and folks. But before I forget, you can find us at Second Print Podcast, Second Print Comics Podcast. See, folks, be in the moment with us. The Second Print Com- Comics Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Fi- type that yeah. down. You'll those find those are us. both at Second Print Pod for both at of those. Second Print Pod. And um, you, I think you mentioned somewhere that you were watching. Uh, was it Batman Forever? Yes, Batman. What Forever. was it like watching that after not having watched it? for a while assuming you haven't watched it in a while because well, I, I, have, say, I have not seen that film probably again since 2013 i did watch it somewhat under the influence and we'll just leave that at that so that probably did affect my experience quite ambiguous a bit. influence um, I, I will say who jim carrey steals that movie absolutely steals that movie he, he it, you can tell because you have the two main villains are uh jim carrey as the riddler and tommy lee jones as two-face now, Tommy Lee Jones is phoning this thing in. Tommy Lee Jones, I love him. He's a great actor. He's absolutely horrible in this movie. I, he just wants horrible. that money. He, he just, just wants there. that Batman money. He's just there for that Batman money. And, uh, I mean, Val Kilmer is not, inarguably the worst Batman, I think. I mean, I mean Clooney is even better than, than Kilmer, I think. And Clooney had the bat nipples. And Clooney had the bat nipples. That's true. I think, did, did, did Kilmer have bat nipples, too? I forget. No, he had like he he was the one he that had, had the full bat on. pecs, but not he had bat pecs. He did not have the bat nipples. No, 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 bat pecs. No, 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 no. Wow, we should really do some deep this dives at some so point on, on on the old Batman show, the old old the Adam West Batman show. I would I will take the Adam West Batman over Batman Forever and Batman Robin any day of the week. Absolutely, um, but what I will say, oh, and, and the other part, Nicole Kidman's character in Batman Forever. 
My God, what a slut. She's just a total whore. She just, she I think is that's not, why I watched that movie so much. She is not portrayed <laughs> as a feminist character in any way. First, she lusts after Bruce Wayne because he's rich. Then she lusts after Batman because he's Batman. And then she can't decide which one she lusts after. And then she realizes they're the same person. And, and it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. But You think people watch Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman Returns because of her stellar acting? Oh, oh Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> that's a whole other story, Michelle Pfeiffer. But... Oof, I don't want to get too hot and bothered here, my friend. Um, but yeah, I do recommend Batman Forever for people who can enjoy can't be bad bad movies for what they are, which are which are can't be bad movies. Do not expect uh, to, do not expect the Dark Knight here on this one. No, not at all. But like you know, there, the, it's those moments that um, you know whether it was the weird Professor X scene in. The first in the first couple X Men comics, as I mentioned, being in the comic book side of things, or just those r- movies where it's like, if it wasn't the fact that it was a Batman property that guaranteed they were making a lot of money, y- you'd be surprised if the if those films ever came about again. Which is why when Batman Begins came out in like two thousand four, two thousand five, people were taken back because they didn't know whether they could take it seriously or not. Like we're doing and this I, again. And again? nobody saw what was coming at all. And I think that's really a testament to, to the medium itself, to this genre, that it can go through the Adam West campy phase and then the bat nipples phase and still give you a dark night. And still give you Christian Bale's portrayal of Batman with this voice the whole time, which really takes you out of the moment sometimes. Because you're just, I, my voice is a little, a little, a little, a uh, little crusty today, so I couldn't get the full bail. Yeah, it's like he he must have he must have had to go through a pack of cigarettes before that each time. But um, yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where I I'm happy now that because technology and you know just really the ability to create good content like what we're seeing in films and animation, everything else now people can see in a big way what you and I saw in really two different eras of the comic book, you know, history of lore, what we saw the potential there to be. Right. Because in, in our minds, we always knew if they made an end game movie, it would be absolutely insane. But now people actually get to see it. And then they look back at the comics and the shows and everything else. And then they're like, Oh, the nerds were onto something. Right. These nerds nerds. were onto something all along. (laughs) And that is why we're here. We're here for you people that realized that us nerds were way ahead of you on this stuff. And there's so much cool stuff, so many stories to be told, so much to learn from comic books. I mean, some of the the morality plays that you see in here, the stuff that I might not have realized as much when I was a kid that you really see play out in some of these stories now, especially as an adult when I can go back and reading them. And, and we won't get into it now because it's going to be one of our, our first episodes, but I had never read Secret War. Not the original Secret Wars, but Secret War, Nick Fury's Secret War. That's, that's the first episode you'll be producing. And that one blew my mind. Like, I couldn't believe what I was that, reading that in this is, book. Um, next level stuff right we will leave the teaser there because we're going to do a whole episode about it so i'm just going to tell you boy and it it was it was so adult and so real that it it started it it made me feel uncomfortable you know that's how close to home that it was hitting that's how you know it's good that's how you know it's good (laughs) when you're uncomfortable listening to this show that's how you know it's good too so it's the same thing Mark, i'm excited i know the listeners are excited how about you go ahead and wrap things up for us all right, well, why don't we just do, I'm thinking we just do a quick preview of maybe what people can, are going to see from the first few episodes. Um, oh, let's to, do it. To, just to give a little teaser. So at the basic format of this show is Remzo and myself are going to be alternating, essentially producing duties. Uh, so every week, one of us will take a story from the past or maybe a character or a big event or maybe even a movie. We can do whatever we want, man, because we're the producers. And uh, that person will be presenting, you know, presenting the story, kind of breaking it all down, and then we'll do our do just kind of what we did here, just riffing, riffing, riffing off the cuff about it. And um, but the first episode that I'm going to be producing, we're going to be looking at the launch of the second X Men book in the 1990s, uh, 1991, uh, when previously, well, the, the original X Men book eventually became Uncanny X Men, but the X Men became so incredibly popular. 
popular that they decided to launch a second X-Men book, simply dubbed X-Men. They brought back the original, uh, you know, one of the original classic X-Men writers, Chris Claremont, to team Chris Claremont, excuse me, to team with Jim Lee, who at the time and even now is one of the biggest comic artists of all time, one of my favorite artists of all time, and they really put everything behind this launch. So we're going to get into not just that first issue and all the hype around it, but everything that led up to it, um, the, the original stories and kind of the fallout from that as well. So that's my first episode. Uh, what's your first episode going to be? Well, I just I just spoiled it for you, actually, a minute ago. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about Secret War, um, the 2002-2003 version that was done by Brian Michael Bendis. And this is the comic that really showed me that Comics, you know, really just this superhero genre is ultimately always going to be a reflection of the world outside your window. And with Secret War, what you're dealing is with, you know, a giant clandestine espionage agency, as in S.H.I.E.L.D., dealing with stuff that, I mean, growing up in a post-9-11 world, you're watching this and you're like, wow, they, they could have ripped this off of the news. This is stuff that we could be discussing right now if, obviously, Spider-Man was swinging around New York. Obviously not. But this is what showed me, wow, comics can take serious issues and throw it into this genre and make you experience something completely different. That That's going to be the, the first one that I really want to cover. But the one thing that I want to show you, um, and I know this this was definitely a, uh, a story arc that Mark did not read before because it was around uh, 2009, 2010. We're, we're yeah, also that, was, that was during my comic, one of my comic dark periods, the, the comic hiatus, yeah. the dark ages. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to talk. We're not just going to talk about stories and arcs. We're also going to talk about really the themes that we see through this genre. And one of them is a question that I've, you know, they, they've asked this not only as characters in the stories, but us of, as fans, as a society molded by superheroes have asked ourselves and one of the biggest ones is does the world need superman obviously in the comics it's do we need this godlike alien person who shoots lasers from his eyes really protecting us in our world it's do we need a character who's so boy scoutish and so in many ways old-fashioned truth justice the american way do we still need superman so we'll be covering probably one of the most unpopularly written stories but obviously one that has a cult classic it's the superman grounded story arc where he doesn't punch an alien where he doesn't have to deal with lex luther dance of doomsday it's where he's just gonna go ahead and basically do a superman level road trip and just hang out with schmucks like us what does it say when superman asks himself that question and that's something I'm really looking forward to. Road trip on foot. I only Superman could walk across the country and not grow a beard like Forrest Gump when he's just running and running. Right. What, and what was I, your yeah? What was your experience? Because I, I made you read that one, and you were like, I had never heard of this, but I'll go ahead and check it out. Well, I'm going to reserve my commentary for the episode because I have not gotten through the whole story yet. So we're just going to leave that teaser, as a little, folks. Little teaser. teaser. <laughs> I will say there was a moment in the first episode episode when in the first um, the first issue where I was I was very angry at Superman, <laughs> very angry at Superman to the point that I almost wanted to rip up my digital book. But that would have meant just breaking my Kindle. So that wouldn't have been really very helpful. Why would so you I, break your tablet? Oh, Superman so, uh, didn't like did, did, did something I didn't like. Yes. So that's a little <laughs> teaser. You can look forward to me having an angry rant against Superman. And uh, that will be episode four. So uh, one more thing book I want to mention just to kind of round out uh, some of the stuff we'll be talking about in our first few episodes is a book that I think is probably the least heralded of the Image books. Uh, when Image kind of broke away, it was Eric Larson, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, uh, a couple other guys. Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld, yes, yes, yes. Liefeld! They each had their sort of their own little kind of um, little universe within the broader Image universe that they were trying to create. Uh, I bought all those image books in the beginning. I bought Wildcats. I bought Spawn. But for whatever reason, the one that really, really captured my imagination from the very beginning was Savage Dragon, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. I don't know any other Savage Dragon fans in real life. The only ones I know are the ones I find online. I used to go on the Savage Dragon forums. Now there's like a Facebook group where I see, I see some fan talk. But it's like this weird niche comic that I think is just one of the greatest superhero comics ever made. 
and nobody knows about it. So that's another reason people know about it, but it's not, it's just not that popular. I, um, I have never, but before, before we did this show, I had never picked up a Savage Dragon comic in my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, it's, it's like, it's the least heralded of those big image books. I mean, when you think of the image launches, you think of Jim Lee's Wildcats, uh, you think of, of Todd McFarlane's Spawn. Uh, but man, the, the most to me, the most consistent, the most entertaining, uh, most consistent, unquestionably, because Eric Larson, I just read Savage Dragon number 249, and the next issue will be the big uh, issue number 250. Eric Larson has drawn and written every single one of those issues, including the three issue miniseries that preceded it. So, really, that's 253 issues completely written and drawn. At one point, that did not last the whole time because he couldn't do it. At one point, he was also inking and coloring the damn book, too. <laughs> and I think he wait, I think he even lettered it at one point for for a brief time before he realized this is insane. I can't do everything. But he has basically wow. Th- this is not. I mean, I think Robert Kirkman had some amazing runs on Walking Dead uh, and Invincible, both books that we'll definitely get to at some point. Absolutely. <clears throat> but that was just the writing, which is impressive. But Eric Larson's done everything, and and there are things in this book. There are moments in the early moments of this book, like in episode. I want to say issue sixteen. And it gets referenced and totally comes back around in like issue two to something. You know, it's like it's really incredible what he has put into building this universe. And he, I, I just can't wait to talk about this book further and introduce more people to it. So um, I'm excited to get you down down that track and train as well, because I think uh, if you're into um, and you mentioned you are a fan of Invincible. I think if you're into Invincible, you're going to see a lot of uh, it's kind of similarities in the style. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if Spider-Man is you going through your teenage your later teenage years with spider powers invincible is you going through your superman phase while hitting puberty totally <laughs> yep exactly so invincible will definitely be on our list too that's a comic yep. that I, I only read a, a year or two ago and i i went through the whole thing like i just picked up the first trade and then i couldn't stop I and, and couldn't timing stop. timing is perfect too because the anime series is coming out oh is that true Absolutely. I, I it's I coming out in 2021, next year. They've already started putting everything together. First, they thought they were going to do a movie a few years ago. Now they're like, let's just do an animated series. Awesome. Well, maybe as we get closer to that launch is when we'll start doing our own uh, Invincible deep dive there. Absolutely. Um, a couple of other things I do want to mention before we finally wrap up here and uh, let you go listen to the rest of our episodes. Uh, one thing, we have a, a group on Facebook right now. It's called the Second Print Comics Fan Zone. We just we added a few people just to get things going. People we know in the comic book community, friends of ours that are into comics. Um, that is going to become a Patreon only group once it hits. What do you say, Ramzo? I'm thinking once it hits 50 people, it's About completely there. closed. Yeah. All right. So if you want to go join now and not have to pay us a dime to do so, just go over to Facebook, type in Second Print Comics Fan Zone. It'll pop right up, and we'll let you right in. Uh, but once we hit 50. We're going to put a hard cap on that. And then at that point, the only people that are going to get in that in that Facebook group are going to be our Patreon supporters. So it will be a Patreon-only perk. But because we want to build things up a little early, get, get people interested, we're giving you this sort of window of opportunity to come join us in the exclusive Facebook group, Second Print Comics Fan Zone. So if you want to get in now without paying us a dime, of course, you can pay us a dime. That's always an option. Don't that forget. would be really awesome of you. Yes. You can actually mail me a physical dime if, if you so choose. Uh, but beyond that, um, we will have plenty of Patreon perks. Again, head over to patreon.com slash secondprintpod. We're going to have a video up there uh, breaking down all of the tiers and everything we plan to do over there on Patreon in addition to the free podcast that you'll get here each and every week. So please do follow us anywhere and everywhere. Again, Twitter at secondprintpod, Instagram at secondprintpod. That is basically how you can find us just about everywhere. We also have a website, secondprintcomics.com. Uh, where you can find we're not only going to have our podcast there but we're also going to start doing some reviews and uh, maybe some random rants who knows what we'll do it's uh, it's our playground we just want you to come and play in it with us it's it's a it's a podcast with infinite worlds folks infinite worlds exactly <laughs> uh remzo any final words before we uh, ascend into the actual episodes that we're going to be recording here I mean, we, we covered so much ground and I'm so excited to get to journey into mystery as we go forward with this podcast. Um, you know, folks definitely get involved with us. This is your show. We're excited to get to kind of steer this ship in the right direction. And, you know, as I'm going to tell you going forward, read comics, change the world. I'm Remsa W. Martinez. And I'm Mark Claire. And we're out.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.